Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using forever, I think. The Lord be with you. And also Thank you. Thank you. Those of us who are gathered here, those of us who are gathered online, uh, we do believe that God is with us as we gather together to worship him. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, how we need you. How we depend on you, God for life, for strength, for hope, for direction, for everything that we have, everything that we are. God, it comes from you. Thank you, God, that we can count on you to be uh, the God that we read about in Scripture from, from the very beginning. God, you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. God, thank you for this. Thank you that today we can count on you to, to hear our cries and to answer. You're not some God who is distant, who we have to try to get your attention in any way. God, we, we come to this place realizing that you just need our attention. You just need us to pay attention to, to you and to your voice speaking to us, calling to us, inviting us into these moments of connection with you. God, that's what we long to experience today, is a connection to the God who made us, who loves us, who is with us, who is for us. God, you know all that we carry into this time together, the good, the bad, the ugly. We offer it all to you, God. We don't come to you with any, any sort of pretense. Uh, we don't come to you pretending like, uh, <laughs> like the life outside of this room or outside of this time, like that isn't there or didn't happen. God, some of us walk into this time very aware of our own failings and sins and how much we need your grace. We come to you confessing and grateful that you are a God who is quick to forgive. Would you help us to experience your grace today? Some of us walk in just deeply hurt and wounded, and God, today we come to you to receive healing, strength, hope. Some of us, God, have got an anxiety and a stress that seems like it's just never letting go of us. And we come to you today needing you to wash your peace over us. God, some of us come with hearts uh, full of gratitude for all of your blessings, for the ways you have been with us. And we today, God, just need to know that you have received our thanks and praise. Thank you, God. As we, uh, as we come to you today, God, we bring not only our own needs, but the needs of those around us with us. Uh, today in particular, God, we think of our president and his family and so many of those there in, the, in his circle of influence who have been uh, testing positive for this COVID-19 God, we pray for your healing. We pray for you to bring good out of this situation, like you bring good out of everything that happens to us when we trust in you. So God, would you, would you use this time in the president's life that he might reach out to you and find you to be faithful and good? God, there are so many times where we just aren't sure uh, exactly how to pray or what to pray for, but God, we, we come to you trusting you that you can bring good out of any circumstance 
for us and for the world. We pray that you would do that right now here in our nation, here in our community, here in each one of our lives. Help us, God, to be able to see your hand at work, to be able to celebrate the good that you bring. And help us, God, to have strength that comes from you to persevere until we, until we reach that, that good ending to the story that you are writing in our lives. Thank you, God. We pray all of this full of confidence in you, full of confidence in your love for us. You have shown us such love in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we are gathered together here, confident in you. So it's in Jesus' name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a look around the room. Find somebody that you didn't get to say hi to on the way in. Give them a quick wave. Flash them some peace or something. I don't know. I'm going to do that. And then uh, peace to all of you who are joining us online. And uh, thank you for being with us, those of you who are in the room. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for leading us musically today. We are so deeply appreciative of, uh, of everyone who is continuing to help, help make ministry happen here at Living Hope. And all of you who continue to be the church right where you live. Um, uh, so many of you I know who are watching from home and are frustrated that you can't be here in person. You've continued to reach out to other people. Some of you have sent cards. Some of you have made phone calls. I just encourage all of us not to give up on that, all right? Let's, let's continue to connect with the people around us to reach out, uh, especially to neighbors that we know might be feeling isolated or alone. We're about to head into uh, you know, a season of the year when uh, it's already difficult for people as it's cold outside and people get, we get less sunlight uh, pouring into us. And, and uh, it's been tricky already as people have tried to stay indoors and isolate at home, but it's, gonna get, it's not going to get better, all right? That, that experience, for those who already struggle with that, is not going to get easier, all right? So they're going to need us to reach out to them and to, to show them love and grace and to, be, uh, and to be there with them through this, all right? So will you guys all... Continue to do that, to continue to reach out and love to, to people who need God's love, who need your love and need your attention. Sorry, guys, I'm moving your stuff all around because I'm making a little spot here for myself. And, uh, boy, that thing's locked down tight. No wonder that one's going to move. All right. I feel like I'm, uh, I got I to gotta have something a little more. <coughs> Woo, that way. All right, there we go. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, that's right. Um, I would love for you guys, if you're here in the room, obviously you can grab one of those little green cards, but, or you can just open up your phone and go to livinghope.info slash connect. And all of you who are watching online, let us know that you're with us. Uh, I actually am going to ask for some feedback in just a minute. So you might want to hold off just a second before you fill that out. Uh, or if you already did, you can just fill out a second one. It's, it's not like we're going to run out of online forms. Um, so, um, but please let us know that you're with us. Comment there in the chat if you're uh, watching at the live version or if you're on Facebook, wherever you're watching, uh, let us know that you're with us. And uh, thank you for continuing to give. Uh, you, can, you can give online, you can text to give, there are all sorts of different ways to give, uh, or you can mail a check, some of you are still mailing stuff here, or just dropping it off, those of us in the room. Um, and I did want to remind you there are two special projects we have going on right now, uh, for, one with Habitat for Humanity, uh, where we're endeavoring to raise $6,000 from all of us, uh, because there's someone else in the church that's promised to match that with another 6000 and then that all gets matched again by Thrivent Financial for a grand total of like 24000 coming from our church to help build a house with Habitat for Humanity, and uh, we'll have more details details of that rolling out in the in the coming days and weeks but some of you already have gone online and you've given you you saw that in the drop down like oh I can select habitat right there and have given toward that thank you uh, some of you have written it on your little envelopes and dropped it in the box 
Thank you for giving to that. Uh, we can also, and there, I know we don't have many details about this one yet, but the option is there now. If you want to give, if you see Hammond Mission Church uh, written in there on the little drop down, uh, our sister church there in Hammond, pastored by Robbie Kanzler, they are um, endeavoring to finally tackle some, some lingering facility issues that have kept them from kind of fully launching as a new church there in Hammond. And so if you want to give to help with that, uh, we're partnering together with churches from around the Northwest Indiana uh, Church of the Nazarene to help make that happen. Um, so, okay, two weeks from now, we're going to try to do an outdoor service. Surprise. Um, we're going to see if we can make that happen again. Surprise, guys that are going to lead music in a couple of weeks. Hey, guess what? We're going to try to do that. Yeah, Joe's like, oh, that's us. Yeah, um, outside. Okay, we'll see. All right. Hadn't talked to them about it. Um, but uh, that's a date that the Y has and that uh, we're thinking, okay, let's do it. But it is definitely weather permitting, all right? If we wake up that day and there's rain pouring down and coming sideways, we're just going to move the service in here, okay? Um, so we're going to, we had a board meeting this last week, and I was bouncing it off of them, and, and some of them were like, you know, it gets kind of cold by, you know, mid-October, and I don't know if we really want to go. And I was like, oh, okay, so I just kind of went around the rooms. Okay, so you guys, you said you'd go, and you said you, but you guys said you wouldn't go, and they're like, well, I mean, we would go, we'd wear a coat, we wouldn't like it, but, you know, we'd be there. Uh, so it was so much fun getting to do that. Now, we're not going to bring out hot dogs and all the rest and balloons, but uh, so many of you, especially those of you who are watching online, came out for that, that we thought, well, if we have a chance to try it again, if the weather will cooperate, then we'll do that, and we'll make sure if it looks like it's going to be, you know, 35 degrees or something, then uh, a couple days beforehand, we'll, we'll go ahead and call it and we'll just know we'll, we're going to do it here. Um, we can't like light a fire in the middle of the place and gather around it or anything. Uh, but if we'll be for sure letting you all know, all right, Facebook, the sign, uh, the website, any way that we can, the church voicemail, we'll let you know what's going to happen as, as we lead up to that so that nobody will have to wonder like, where are we going to be? You can just, you know, call the church or check the website or look on Facebook or whatever you need to do, and we'll, we'll make sure you know two weeks from now where exactly, if we're going to be at the Y or if we're going to be uh, right here. On that topic of moving services around, uh, we've heard from some of you, uh, some of you, I should say, uh, that are not with us in person that you would love to be, but 9 o'clock is the problem. It's not so much about the fact that it's indoors and the continuing uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. It's just the fact that 9 o'clock is pretty stinking early, and, uh, and it doesn't, you're like unable to get here early enough to be here with us. Um, you know, before this all went down, we had two services, 9 and 10.30. Some of you strongly preferred 9 o'clock. Some of you really preferred 10.30. And, uh, and that's one reason why we did it, because we knew that was making it possible for more people to come and experience um, a worship experience, to ex connect with God, and to hear from Him, and, and connect with each other. So... Um, uh, so we're thinking about a couple of different options. Well, I guess there are three. I mean, we could just leave everything alone and just keep doing it like this and not change anything. Uh, just have one service at nine. But another option, one option we're thinking about, not sure I'm, I'm needing your feedback here, uh, is we could stick to one service and just make it a little later. Instead of meeting at nine, we could meet at 10 or 10.30. Um, of course, that affects all of you who are sitting in the room right now because uh, you would be sitting here in an empty room if you uh, came at 9. Or you might not be able to make it at 9 o'clock. I mean, maybe 9 o'clock is when you come because you can't come at 10.30. So I'm just curious if, like, next Sunday the service was happening at 10.30 instead of 9, how many of you, quick show of hands, how many of you would be here? You would you'd be here anyway, even if it was at 10.30. And uh, those of you who aren't, you're saying, like, how many of you know I just can't make it? 9 works, but I cannot be here at 10.30. Is there anybody that's... A couple of you that are like that. Okay. All right. That's good information to have. All right. Uh, we also need to hear from those of you who are watching online. All right. And this is where you might want to fill out that little connect card and, and do this. Um, can I get a little closer to them? Can you hit that button to make me a little... Oh, hi. Hi. Um, we just switched cameras and all of a sudden I got bigger on their screen. Um, 
I need to hear from you. If, uh, if we did a service that was later, would you come? You know, if the service started, if we had a service at 1030, would you be here? Um, you're not coming now. It's not because of the pandemic, um, but it's just because of the time. I know for some of you, it has nothing to do with the time. It's, it's the current conditions, and you're staying safe, and that's, that's perfectly valid. And there is, you're not going to get any pressure from me, anybody, saying you should be here in the building, or you're not a good Christian or not committed or something if you're not here in the building. Hmm, no. All right. But if it's, all, if it's just because of time, would you come if we had a later service? Because one option would be to move the service and just have a service later, which now we've heard from some of you at least, that would not work, uh, that come at nine. Um, or we could go back to doing two services. But we don't want to do that if there's like, you know, two people that would be here at 10.30, right? Um, if, if you've ever been in a service where there's like more people up front than there are sitting out there, it's a little awkward, all right? Every, nobody really enjoys that. The people sitting out there don't enjoy it. You kind of feel bad, like, oh, you guys came out just for us too. Okay, sorry. Um, and so that's where we need to hear back from folks, all right? So we need to know, would you, would you show up if next Sunday we did 9 and 10.30 services? A whole bunch of you, it looks, sounds like, would be here at 9. Um, but, uh, but some of you... I guess it might go the other way. I need to hear from all of you if next Sunday, if we did 9 and 10.30, would you still come at 9? Or would you be like, you know, there are only a couple of you that said, no, I'd be here at 9. That's the only time I can come. Maybe all the rest of you are like, oh, no, please, 10.30. And maybe the 9 o'clock service would be the one with two of us in it. I don't know. So just let us know what, uh, what you would do if we were to, you know, choose one of those two options. Because if we have way too many people to fit in a 10.30 service, and obviously we don't want to do that. We, don't, we want to stay safe and be able to spread out and keep our distance and all that. Um, so we're trying to, trying to do what we've always done, I guess. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about in the message in just a minute is uh, flexibility is one of those things that we value here, and th- this is the one that doesn't come easiest for me, just so you know, all right? Like, for me, I just like, no, 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 let's just keep them the same, you know? Let's just do what we've always done. That's, that's much easier. But, uh, but we want to stay flexible in order to connect with folks. So, so we'll see. We'll see what you guys say back. And, um, and after I've heard back from you guys by the middle of this week, uh, then I'll, I'll make sure and let you all know what's happening next Sunday. Uh, again, we'll spread it as wide as we can. It'll be in the email and every, every other way to let you know what's happening this coming Sunday. Um, um, oh, what was I going to say? There was one other thing connected with that. Uh, and I forgot. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I just thought, oh, I should probably say, for those of you who are watching right now, today is Sunday, October 4th when I'm saying this, and uh, if you're watching this like two weeks later, we don't need to hear from you. We've already decided what we're going to do, all right? So, sorry, you missed it. Um, it's like a reality that I keep forgetting about, that like some people are not with us live or like watching later this afternoon. Some folks are catching this like, you know, weeks later or a month later or something like that. So, all right, all right. Um, I feel like, did I have another announcement thing in there somewhere that I skipped over? Okay, all right, that's it. Good. Thanks, Katie. Um, I didn't think, I didn't have anything more written down in my little note, but um, so this morning for a message, we're continuing what we started last week, talking about what makes Living Hope a little weird. Uh, what makes us different from the, the churches around us, perhaps, or church maybe you've attended in the past. Um, uh, you know, some of those things are, are kind of cosmetic, I suppose, like the fact that we have a bunch of us seated around tables or, the, uh, you know, relaxed uh, way to, to dress or those sorts of things. Um, every church is different. And some of the things that were a little bit more unique about us when we started are not so unique anymore that a lot of churches, um, you know, obviously you can wear blue, blue jeans into just about any church you walk into anymore. Um, but, um, but the personality things about us, what makes us different? I mean, our mission is the same as most churches have, right? I mean, we want to connect people with God and with each other and with a world in need of God's love. That's, that's how we talk about ourselves. And I think 
Do I have that stuff in there, Katie? Do I have stuff for the, for the screen for people who are watching along? I thought so. Good. I tried. I tried today. I tried to actually get it for you, especially for those of you online. The people who are here in the room, I can hand them a piece of paper. I can't do that for, for you guys who are watching. So I wanted to at least get it on the screen. And I think in the comments, you might have a link. You can like grab a PDF of this if you want to. I tried anyway. We'll see if that's working. Experimenting. Uh, so our mission is the same as most churches, but then every church has a little bit different feel. Some of that, I suppose, can be explained by theology and, and uh, the way that churches believe that worship services ought to happen. You know, some churches have a very strict kind of format for their services and not that sort of thing, what language it has to be in, perhaps, those sorts of deals. Um, but then every church just has a different personality based on the, the people that make up that church, based on, in this case, I'm the pastor that founded this church 20 years ago, and so a lot of it just reflects my own quirks and weirdness, I guess, um, so what are those things about us? And last week, we looked at uh, open acceptance and life change. We have 10 of these that we talk about in Living Hope 101. Uh, open acceptance, life change, authenticity, spiritual faithfulness, humility and teachability, uh, personal responsibility, servanthood, creativity, excellence, flexibility. 10 things that, that are important to us that shape who we are and how we come across whenever anybody encounters us. And we looked at the first two of those last week. And, and I'm going to look at a couple more today. Um, that you've got there. Uh, authenticity is one of them. And here's how we describe that in our Living Hope 101 class. We strive to live honest, transparent lives as we share both the joys and the struggles of life. There is no reason to wear a mask in the life of the Christian community. Now, that might be a little aspirational there, I suppose. I don't think any of us walk in here just completely maskless, you know, um, you probably, uh, you know, did your hair or did or showered or did something. You know, you, you probably put on, maybe you dressed up just a little bit nicer than you would have, you know. I mean, some of you aren't even wearing pants anymore working from home and you know, all your meetings are on Zoom. And, and you at least did that for us today, you know. Um, so, but still, we want to be ourselves. We don't want to wear a mask. We don't want to walk in here pretending everything's fine and, oh, life is good. But inside, we're just breaking, you know. Um, we want to, we don't, we don't believe we should have to wear those masks when we come together. And then humility or teachability as the, uh, the other one we're going to look at today, and they, they fit right together. We realize that none of us have arrived and all of us need to grow. If we remain teachable, God will help us to learn from each other. And that, that is one that's directed just as much to me as it is to anybody else. I know some of you put me on this pedestal. I, that probably doesn't help I stand on one on Sunday morning. But uh, some of you guys put me on this pedestal and think, well, Pastor Rich has all the answers. And he's, you know, been following Jesus for a long time. And you don't get to be a pastor if you're just some schmo. And so he must have things together. And, uh, um, you know, I need to learn just as much as you guys do. I haven't arrived yet. Um, I don't think I have this one in your notes. But the Apostle Paul in Philippians one, two, ooh, I forgot where it was now. He talks about how I haven't arrived yet. I'm still striving on toward, toward that which God has called me to. Um, so I'm not there yet. And if he can say he's not there yet, I mean, I certainly am not there yet. I mean, God used him to write a whole bunch of our New Testament. Um, I need to learn from you just as much as, as you might need to learn from me. Hopefully together we're listening to the voice of God and, and learning from him and growing together. Um, these both kind of go against one of Jesus' main complaints. When we read the Gospels and, and Jesus is interacting with religious folks, do you remember what one of the big things he kept calling out on people? Uh, he used this word hypocrisy, right? Or hypocrites. He was, he was constantly looking at these religious leaders and saying, you hypocrites. And Matthew 23 is just like a big old rant. It's like a diss track he did just against all these religious leaders and, and their hypocrisy and the ways that they were not being the people that they were supposed to be. Um, Matthew 6, when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount earlier this year, 
You know, when Jesus teaches on prayer and giving and fasting, he contrasts every time what we're supposed to be doing with what the hypocrites do. Where they do their religious stuff just for show, just for the applause of others. And Jesus says over and over again, well, then that's what they're getting. They're getting applause. You know, they're not aiming their prayers and their good deeds toward God. And so God's not paying any attention. If they're aiming those things toward others to look good before other people, well, then great. And so he said, then we should pray to God in secret and, and give in a way that's not flashy. And, and, and if we fast, or when we fast, he says, sorry, didn't mean to edit you there, Jesus. When we fast, that we shouldn't like make a big production of it. But, you know, don't even let people know you're fasting. That's between you and God. And so Jesus was not a fan of hypocrisy, which literally means like wearing a mask. A hypocrite was a, an actor in a play. And back in those days, you know, they would, they would put on one of those big masks when they come out to, to show that they were being a new character. On the outside, they look one way, but inside is something else. And that's what Jesus kept calling out of these religious leaders. In, in Mark chapter 7, I put this in your notes. Um, Jesus says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's not what God wants from any one of us. He doesn't want us just to do the outwardly good religious stuff. He doesn't want us to put on a religious mask or a happy mask or anything like that when we come in on Sunday morning. He wants us, as we live our whole lives, he wants us to just be ourselves. He wants us to genuinely change inside for our hearts to be changed and then for that to be reflected in the way that we live and the way we present ourselves, the way we relate to others. God created us to live uh, in about as unmasked, uh, I can't imagine being any more unmasked than the story we read in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, right? I mean, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in a garden. And do you remember? They were like the world's first, are they called naturalists or nudists? I forget what they're, they didn't, they didn't have clothes, right? I mean, they just lived, it said they were naked and they were unashamed, Adam and Eve. And I'm not advocating for that, um, all right? Again, I'm glad you all wore pants, um, but... They were this, this openness to each other and to God from the very beginning. And if you remember, by the time we get to the third page of the Bible, chapter 3, when Adam and Eve disobey God and they eat the fruit from the one tree that he told them not to, when they decide they know better than God does what's best for them and they chase that, then it says all of a sudden, they well, I think I put that in your notes, didn't I? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All of a sudden, they needed to cover up. They needed to, to protect themselves from each other. And the next, very next verse, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Sin leads us to hide from each other, to hide from God, to wear masks. It's that shame that we feel, that, that feeling like, uh-oh, if they knew me for the person I really am, they would not want me around. They would not love me. God would not approve of what I've done or who I've become. And so we hide from God and we hide from each other. And that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to know that we can be ourselves. I mean, the Christian journey, the journey of following Christ begins, for our part, with confession, right? With us acknowledging to God, God, I, I am a screw-up. I have not done this thing right. I have sinned. I need your forgiveness. It begins with us coming clean with God, acknowledging the truth of who we are, because that's where God meets us in reality. God doesn't meet us in some fantasy land where we're pretending to be someone we're not. God meets us where we live. God meets us where we are. 
And it's, and it's kind of silly that we would uh, try to do anything else, at least when it comes to God, right? Because God knows all of it anyway. Um, God already knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows those things that we do when no one else is looking. He knows our, our thoughts, our attitudes. He knows everything about us. I included some, uh, some scriptures here from Hebrews chapter 4, uh, where it says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Some of you have experienced this before when, when you felt like God was speaking to you. And maybe it was through the scriptures that we call the word of God. Maybe it was through a preacher or just in some moment where you feel like, oh man, God is looking at me. He's speaking to me and it's cutting deep. He knows my thoughts. He knows my attitudes. He continues, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He said, God sees and knows all of it. It reminds me of this prayer. Oh, man, I didn't write it down in here. I had it in my notes. And I didn't print it out to see if I can remember it. It's, a, it's, it's an old, old prayer. It's been used forever in, in different churches. That, um, it says, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, uh, all desires known. From you no secrets are hidden. It just acknowledges right up front, God, you see it all. And then it continues, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. It's just this prayer that says, okay, God, you see it all. You know it all. So would you help us? Would you cleanse us by your Holy Spirit's work? And that's where this passage from Hebrews continues. It's all laid bare. God knows it all. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, and these building on things you've been talking before about Jesus being our high priest who represents us before God, since we have a great high priest who's ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is... You know, the posture, this is the, the attitude, this is the way that I think God would have us to live. We become aware, we, we, we have these moments of clarity where God is encountering us and we are aware of God encountering us. We are encountering God, I guess I should say. And we realize, oh man, I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not the person my spouse needs. I'm not the person my children need me to be. I'm not the person that my coworkers, my friends, my neighbors need me to be, that, that they would want me to be if they knew and we start to get those feelings. If they knew, oh man, I better cover up. I better hide. I better not let anybody know what's going on inside of me. And instead, what scripture is telling us is like, look, God sees it and he knows it. And so instead of running and hiding, let's instead take a step toward God. Let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Not cowering, not thinking like, oh God, please don't strike me dead. We already know, because we already know God's heart. He's shown it to us in Jesus. So we can approach his throne of grace with confidence. And it, not, a, not a cocky kind of a, we're not talking about like arrogance here, right? This isn't a walking up to God and saying, okay, God, got to forgive me. <laughs> Doesn't matter what I do, you got to forgive me. You said you would. No, this is us saying, oh, God. It's the attitude that we saw last week from Luke chapter something, sorry. Uh, last week with the two men that Jesus talked about going up to the temple to pray, 
one a Pharisee and one a tax collector, and the Pharisee gets there and prays to God about how wonderful he is and all the good thing he do, things he does and that he's not like this terrible, rotten sinner tax collector over here. And Jesus says the tax collector stood at a distance, wouldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven, but just beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, that's the guy that went home justified before God that day because he acknowledged his need of God. He acknowledged his sin. It's why Jesus said, look, I didn't come to, to well, how did he say it? They were, they were pressing him on all the time he was spending with, with sinners and tax collectors. And, and he said, look, uh, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. It's like, I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners to repentance. I came because I'm bringing the healing of God. And so I'm going to people who know they need to be healed, who know that they are sick with sin and are willing to come to me for help. He's like, you guys don't know you need help. You're pretending that you don't. And so I'm not hanging out with you as much. I'm hanging out with people who know they need help because I can give them help. And I'm kind of imagining Jesus saying, I could help you too, you know, if you could like take the mask off and quit pretending. If you could be honest about what's going on inside of you, I could help you too. I mean, Jesus came for all of us. It's just that not all of us acknowledge our need. So you see how these things all are connected? I mean, it's, uh, these, these things don't, aren't just like totally separate items in a list. They're ways of describing the ways that we relate to the God who loves us, who's come to us in Jesus Christ. So if we're going to be uh, authentic, if we're going to live honest and transparent lives, we share the joys and struggles of life and not wear masks, if we're going to admit that none of us have arrived and need to grow and, and help uh, invite God to help us learn from each other and continue to grow? What does that kind of life together look like? I mean, how do we, how do we make that happen? Um, this is where I, I like turning to the Apostle Paul in his letters in the New Testament because he's writing to Christians who are trying to figure this out, who are trying to figure out how do I get along with these people who disagree with me on so many things. I mean, he was, he was trying to help Jews and Gentiles who had for generations not intermingled. Now all of a sudden they're, they're worshiping Christ together. They're coming to church together which in those days it wasn't, you know, some big auditorium with thousands of people where you could just kind of be anonymous. Um, it was not even as spread out as we are here now. It was generally meeting in someone's home. And you're walking right into someone's house that you've never been in a Gentile home before. And you're like, is this even safe? Is, is lightning going to strike? Am I allowed to do this? Or, uh, or a Gentile walking into a Jewish person's home and, and like, not I'm sure they don't, don't know the, all the Hebrew language. And they've got, like, you know, the stuff on the walls, just like some of you guys have art, you know, a scripture on it. Their scripture art would have been, like, in Hebrew. And they're like, I don't know what all this weird writing is. I'm not sure this is going to work. And he's writing to them trying to say, look, guys, Christ is calling us all together to be his people Here's how we get along, rich, poor, male, female, Jew, Gentile. He's saying, look, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And so I, I like turning to his letters uh, for help with how we're supposed to live this out. And in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, he talks about some of this. Um, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, some of that's referring back to that you have to read the rest of Ephesians to, to understand why he's describing himself that way. But, He's saying, we, we need to live a life worthy of this calling that we've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And some of you know these days just how much effort that takes as you're trying to live at peace with people who, who don't want to live at peace with you. 
I'm thinking politics right now. I'm thinking some of the race issues are going on right now. Even some of you have friends that are like, I'm not wearing this stupid mask and, you know, and struggling to live at peace with each other. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He's saying there's so much that should unite us, that should bring us together. It's the same Holy Spirit that's, that's giving you life, that's giving me life, that's guiding and directing you, that's guiding and directing me. We're, we're living together as, as one body, as members of one body together. So let's, let's be humble. Let's be gentle. Let's be patient. Bearing with one another in love. These are not easy things to do, right? Uh, this goes against the grain of everything that we're kind of raised to be here in the United States of America, where... Uh, unfortunately, so many times we treat other people as stepping stones to get us where we want to go, to our own achievement, and, and I'm you know, sorry if you're in my way, I'm going around you, or I'm getting through you, or something, I'm knocking you down, because I've got an agenda, and i am got a place I'm going to go, and it's hard for us to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient. I don't know many of us who love being patient, you know, I mean, impatience is like bred into us somehow. And yet he's calling us to be patient with each other. He continues in verse 7, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is, as difficult as that all is, ah, good, but God has given us his grace. God has been gracious to me. And so I can be gracious to others. God has been patient with me. And so I can be patient with others. God has been kind and compassionate to me so I can be kind and compassionate. He has given us grace. And that, that grace isn't just like how God has treated us, but this gift of grace that the Scripture talks about is something, uh, I mean, sometimes it's almost like it's a different way of talking about the gift of God's Holy Spirit that he's given to us because this grace enables us to live differently. This grace is an, is an active thing happening in our lives. God has given us this grace. And there are verses that I'm skipping over, but, um, well, actually, no, he gets into it some in, in verse 11 there. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is God's grace at work. God's grace shows up in different ways. Um, Ephesians 4 is one place that talks about this. Romans, you could write, I don't have this up there. You can write a little note to the side. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are two other places where Paul talks about uh, us being one body, different members. We belong to each other. And that God's grace shows up in our lives in different ways, giving us different gifts, different things that we're good at, different roles to play in the life of the church. But it's been given to each of us. God has given us grace as Christ has apportioned, as Christ has doled it out, we have received grace from God through Christ to help us to live this different way. And we get to use this grace to serve others, to bless others. How do they say it? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's like there's this picture of, of who Jesus is and and, you know, I know some of us, we look at Jesus and we think, well, I could never be like that. 
I could never be that good. I could never be that patient. I could never be that trusting of my heavenly father um, to pray like Jesus prayed, you know, not my will, but yours be done. And okay, if I need to suffer and die for others, then I will. And for so many of us who look at that and think, I'm, I'm not there. I haven't attained to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He says, well, yeah, but together we can help each other become those kinds of people. We can help each other grow and mature and together attain that whole measure of the fullness of Christ, to become more and more like Jesus as we each work together and help each other. We need each other to become the people God created us to be, in other words. This doesn't happen if, if it's just me sitting there reading my Bible and trying really hard, right? I'll never become the person that God really wants me to be if all I do is just me and my Bible and trying really hard. I have to live this life with you, we have to live this life with each other. We have to have friends in our lives who can point out our blind spots, who can say to us, you know, I don't think that the way you say this, but you're doing this, and I don't think those things match up. Or who can just kind of catch us fooling ourselves, thinking that we're doing fine, and can say, have you prayed about that one? Have you thought about that one? It looks like you're doing this. Um, can you help me understand where that's coming from? Or uh, I think I just mentioned, was that last Sunday? When did this happen? Where I was sitting there and Stacy was watching over my shoulder. I'm, I'm there on my phone on Facebook. And, and, uh, and there's somebody I'm about to reply. And she says, uh, shouldn't you have snoozed that person? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And I guess the 30-day snooze ran out on Facebook. All of a sudden, I'm seeing their you know, political posts. And I was just about to reply again. And she's like, yeah, okay, fine. I don't want to snooze. Okay, fine. Because she was in my life. And she prevented me from going down a road that wasn't going to be anything positive or anything good. We need each other because we all have a role to play, so that we can grow and become more like Jesus. He continues, he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He's saying Christ is our head, he's our source, and we are going to become mature as the body of Christ. We will look more and more like him as we speak the truth in love to each other, as we are willing to have hard conversations with each other. Now, I know some people, they love speaking the truth and they forget about the love part, right? And they just want to blast you with everything you're doing wrong, and, you know, this is why you're... And it's like, whoa, 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 slow down. So speaking the truth in love. And that's sometimes it's us speaking the truth and admitting the help that we need. That's sometimes us speaking the truth and having a hard conversation with somebody because we love them. And so we do it in the most loving and, and gentle and patient way that we can, as you've just been talking about. As we do this, the point is to build each other up, to help us to grow. It says, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Again, it takes each of us playing, this, playing our part, doing what we can to support and to help each other. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. You've got to take off the mask of everything's fine. You're driving me insane, but everything's fine. I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to talk about it. So, no, 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 no. We need to be willing to take off the mask and speak truthfully to each other. And when we hurt each other, we need to be able to say, like, that, that hurt. I don't think you intended to hurt me, but that, that hurt when you said that, when you made that joke. I've had some of you say that to me, sometimes after a Sunday morning, come up to me and say like, hey, you said this one little thing and that, that stung. I don't think you meant it to, you know, but it did. And it caused me to realize like, oh man, yeah, I just did not even think about that. 
so thank you for those of you who have said those kinds of things to me. We need that if we're going to grow and mature and become more and more like Jesus. What's he say next? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We've got lots of good and helpful directions, instruction, uh, suggestions uh, for how we can do this and how this can look together. And sometimes, some of you have been in relationships and friendships, spiritual friendships like this, and it's been a beautiful thing. Some of you right now, you're saying, I have never known anybody I could just be honest with. I've never known anybody that I could be myself with, that I could talk about what's really going on, the fears I have, the questions I have, what's happening inside of me. I've never been able to be honest with anybody about that. Ideally, church can be that place where we can be that honest. Now, I know we don't always get it right. And for some of you, the reason that you're hiding those things and keeping that mask up is because of experiences you've had with church, with church people who you've been honest and they have rejected you or you've been honest and they've condemned you or you've been honest and they spoke truth but it wasn't in love. They tried, but we're all human. We all, we all fail from time to time. How's that, how's that joke go? Where people say the church is full of hypocrites and the response is, oh, it's not full of hypocrites. There's room for one more, you know. Um, we are imperfect people, but we are hopefully continuing to look more and more like Jesus. And so my hope is, is if you are like that, if you're feeling like I've never been able to let my, down my mask with anyone, there are people here that are safe, <laughs> that you can talk to, who will not condemn or judge you. And uh, you can talk to me. Uh, I can be that safe person for you. I can introduce you to someone else who can be that safe person for you. Or you can talk about what's really going on in your life. And together, we can, we can look to Jesus for hope and for help, for growth. He, he uses this language of maturing and not being infants anymore. And it made me think of, uh, again, of this passage of the Apostle Paul in, in his letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. It talks all about how love is patient and kind and how beautiful it is. And so we use it at weddings. And ah. But then as he continues, he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. He's saying, for now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we should see face to face. He's saying, look, right now, we're still kind of like children. Right now, we're still not fully mature. We haven't arrived yet. So we we still just know partially. He says, now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So right now, we have to stay humble. We have to acknowledge, look, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. You haven't arrived yet. We're all still on this journey together doing our best to follow Christ together. And he continues, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If we can manage to love each other, then we can live authentic, transparent lives together. If we can manage to love each other, then we can be humble and acknowledge our need to learn from each other. Because that's, that's what loving each other looks like. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we sing and celebrate communion together. God, thank you for meeting us where we really live. Uh, Thank you that you have not expected us to climb some ladder uh, to get to you, some self-improvement ladder to, to get to a place where finally you will listen to us. Instead, God, you're eager for for anyone to just simply turn to you and acknowledge our need. And so today, God, we do that. We humbly acknowledge our need of you.
Some of us, God, we're doing this as, as a regular part of our Christian practice. We know that every day as we follow you, we continue to humbly acknowledge our need of you. Some of us, God, we might be doing this for the very first time. Some of us might, for the first time, be considering, well, if, if, that's, if I don't have to improve myself first, if I can just be honest with God and honest with others, then yes, I want that. And today, God, we're turning to you saying, please, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. Thank you, God, for knowing me as I am and not rejecting me, but instead loving me, embracing me as your child. God, for every one of us that turns to you in faith, your word is clear. We confess our sins. You are faithful. You forgive us our sins. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have shown us uh, that you are willing to do this in Jesus. You did what was required for our sin to be forgiven, for the power of sin to be broken in our lives, for us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our sin does not define us. Our failures don't define us, as we sang earlier. Because, Lord Jesus, you took our sin on yourself, and by your death and resurrection, you broke the power of sin and death. You set us free. You set us free to be who we are, to receive the love and grace of our loving Heavenly Father, to see our hearts, our lives transformed by your love, God, by your grace. So help us, God, to be that kind of people that the world so desperately needs, to be the kind of people who can be honest about our failures, who can provide hope to people around us that if God can, can love people like us, then God can love them too. And if you can help us to, to experience uh, changed lives, if you can help us to, to be changed, then, then perhaps you can set them free from what has, has shackled them for so long. Thank you, God, for the grace you have given to each one of us. Help us to truly experience it and to be generous with that grace toward others. It is so good to be loved by you and to be a part of the work you're doing here in the world, God. Thank you that in just a, a few moments we're going to get to celebrate this love with the sacrament of communion, um, taking bread and juice and remembering the great price that was paid to set us free. We offer to you these, these simple gifts and pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, flawed as we are, and pray that by your Spirit's work in us, we might be transformed, that we might live as the body of Christ, truly reflecting to the world around us in a mature way who you are, reflecting your grace and love. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Uh, we did, if, if any of you in the room are needing uh, gluten-free, we found out these little wafers in these little cups are not gluten-free. And so if you need that, we actually have some back on the little table by the offering box. Uh, that just a little sign that says gluten-free. And you can pick one of those up if you need it. Uh, we're trusting that those of you worshiping with us at home, that uh, if you want to celebrate communion with us, that you have already gathered some, some bread and some juice. And if not, uh, you can do that now. If you're, uh, if you're here in the room with us, there are little cups that have... Uh, uh, two little flaps are on the tables or on the floor by your chairs if you'd like to participate in communion today before we go. And uh, you can pull up the one little flap to get to the bread. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he met with his disciples and celebrated the Passover with them. He took bread. He said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After supper, he took the cup, said, this is my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you again, Lord Jesus, for giving your life for us and giving your life to us. Fill us with the Spirit of Christ. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that as we leave, as we leave this time together, whether we're gathered together here in the room or online, as we go on with life, we go with you. We go with your Holy Spirit, filling us, giving us your grace to share with others. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.